Science is quite interdisciplinary and with all the new emerging technologies, we can't be good at everything. There are some areas that we are focused on and if you want to have a deeper understanding of a subject, then you need help of others in other fields. Welcome to Primary Sources, a podcast produced by East Tennessee State University that highlights the important research happening at ETSU. Joining us today on Primary Sources is Dr. Aruna Killaroo. She is a professor in the Department of Biological Sciences here at ETSU and is currently serving as a program director at the National Science Foundation. Her expertise on a range of topics, especially plant biology, is well established. Since joining the faculty at ETSU in 2011, Dr. Killaroo has earned over $1.6 million in grant funds. Other scientists have cited her work more than 1,800 times in the last decade. In 2021, she was the recipient of ETSU's Distinguished Faculty Award in Research. It is the highest research-related award that the university presents. She was also one of the recipients of ETSU's Notable Women Award in 2021. It is a major award that highlights the expertise and accomplishments of women at ETSU. Dr. Killaroo is especially well-recognized for her scholarship aimed at addressing food insecurity and climate change using agricultural biotechnology. In the past year, she served as an AAAS Science and Technology Policy Fellow with the U.S. Department of Agriculture, and last year, she won the Tennessee Academy of Sciences Distinguished Scientist Award. The Academy president wrote that Dr. Killaroo's work, quote, is central to the globally important tasks of feeding a growing world population and the production of clean biofuels to developing stress-tolerant crops with improved productivity. Dr. Killaroo earned her PhD in environmental and evolutionary biology at the University of Louisiana, Lafayette. Dr. Killaroo, thank you for being here. Thank you, OJ, for hosting me. Absolutely. In so many ways, you are playing on a global stage. That is especially true with your role at the National Science Foundation. Talk to us a little bit about the work you are doing there. Yeah, thank you. So I started recently in August as a program director at National Science Foundation. I'm in the Directorate of Biological Sciences, Integrative and Organismal Systems Division. So as program directors, you basically do what is mostly like grant management. So you get to know the people who are applying for funds and advise them on what kind of grants are available, what kind of solicitations they can apply for and guide them through the process as needed. And then we seek proposals, we review proposals, we arrange for panels to look at the proposals and guide us through the decision-making process. And then we refer the proposals that we think are outstanding and are eligible for funding to the upper advisory panel. And then they make the ultimate decision of whether a proposal should be funded or not. And then once the PI is funded, the principal investigator then we follow up with them to make sure that they are actually utilizing the funds to conduct the kind of research that they said they would conduct. We monitor their annual reports and so on. So NSF really has this nice program of recruiting and kind of loaning active research funded faculty members from universities and across various research programs, not just biology. They take them on a loan from the university and then 
use them as rotating program directors for a period of a year to even up to four years. So we as faculty members who are previously funded through NSF or other federal agencies can now go and see, work at NSF and see what is behind the screens on the NSF side. What do you do before you get funded or how, you, how do you get funded? So it's kind of nice to see, have that kind of experience. And now I'm planning to be there for a year. So when I come back, I can bring my knowledge to the university and to the community and I can advise them on how we can better utilize the federal programs for opportunities for funding. Absolutely. That is fascinating. Food insecurity, climate change, extreme weather, as you know, are deeply important topics in our world. The president of the Tennessee Academy of Sciences described your scholarship as critical on these fronts. Discuss a little bit how your work is addressing issues of food insecurity and climate change. So I have two main research programs for the last 10 years or so that I've been working at ETSU. One of the research area is focused on addressing how plants tolerate stress. So we use moss plants. These are early land plants, and you may have noticed outside in your yards and everywhere they grow everywhere on rocks and dry up completely and then survive, come back to life, and there is a little bit of shower. So these are very good model systems to understand how these plants are able to tolerate extreme temperature conditions, whether it's cold or heat or availability of water. So we use this model system to understand what are the genetic mechanisms that these plants have adapted to survive these conditions. And in the process, we are studying a very specific metabolic pathway, identified some genes that might enable these plants to be tolerant to stress. So the long-term goal of this project is to see if we can identify these specific genes, can we put them into other crop species, and then allow them to be drought tolerant or cold tolerant or heat tolerant and so on. So that's a long-term thinking of how we can improve crop productivity. In this case, our research is directly related to how we address climate change because, as you can imagine, with increasing population and reduced area for agriculture, you need more amenable ways of improving crop productivity. And this is one way how we can address that. And the second research area that I mentioned is actually funded through U.S. Department of Agriculture. We use avocado as a model system, and what we study here is how plants accumulate oil, and we are specifically specifically focused on healthy oils, and what is it in plants that decides how much oil should be accumulated, where it should be accumulated, and what kind of oil it should be. As you know, mustard oil is different from coconut oil, which is different from olive oil or avocado oil. So different plants make different types of oils, and some we call them as healthy oils, and some are not so healthy. So can we understand how to make these healthy oils? And if we do, then we can also, again, genetically manipulate other crop species to produce enriched and healthy nutritional oil. So again, the project also directly relates to sustainable agriculture and food productivity. Myself and my students here at ETSU are striving hard to address these both research areas. Yeah, those are incredible. Thank you for sharing that. You work with so many groups and organizations across not only the world, but here in the United States. You have collaborations, and let me list a few of these just for our listeners. You have collaborations with scientists in Australia, Canada, China, Germany, and India, 
as well as in Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts, and Texas. Talk a bit about how these collaborations affect and inform your work. Science is quite interdisciplinary and with all the new emerging technologies, we can't be good at everything. There are some areas that we are focused on and if you want to have a deeper understanding of a subject, then you need help of others in other fields. So I can talk about two specific collaborations, one in Kansas. For example, I collaborate with a professor, Dr. Ruth Welty. She's the director for a lipidomic center, and she's extremely qualified in identifying the minutest occurring lipid compounds in any kind of tissue. So I was talking earlier about research in moss, how mosses are tolerant to various kinds of stresses. And we wanted to understand what is the lipid composition of these plants, because lipids are a major component in the membranes of cells. And these are the first structural barriers that plants experience when they're experiencing any kind of weather. So we wanted to understand this lipid composition. And Dr. Welty has helped us identify the composition in extreme detail of what the lipids are that are present in moss under various developmental stages. So that is still a continuing collaboration and we really utilize her expertise, uh, value her expertise very much. Another collaboration is with Dr. Jay Shockey in New Orleans. He's a researcher at uh, U.S. Department of Agriculture, so, uh, Agriculture at New Orleans. And we collaborate with him in identifying genetic mechanisms in avocado that I was talking about earlier. And he's a geneticist and extremely good at cloning which basically involves putting different kinds of genes together and making them functional and testing in different organisms. And we have utilized his expertise in testing some of the avocado genes, whether they are functional or not, in yeast system. So we even had one of our graduate students visit his lab, learn some of the techniques, utilize some of the tools he has. So yeah, it led to, with both collaborations that I mentioned, we've published papers together. So collaborations are valuable for research to progress in multiple directions. Yeah. And I'm grateful for that. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. As our listeners know, uh, if they were uh, listening to your introduction, you've won so many awards. Here at ETSU, you've earned some of the highest honors that the university bestows. Let's talk for a moment about ETSU naming you as one of the notable women in 2021. What did that mean to you? I was pleasantly surprised that actually ETSU has such a, an award category. I think it's the first time that I've heard at a particular university having a notable woman award. And I really appreciate Women's Studies uh, Department that is doing this every single year. Getting this award, probably of all the other awards that you've listed earlier, I think of this as a more special one because the distinguished faculty or other awards are for research or things that I've been doing. Notable Woman Award is more for the values that I hold so closely. And I think my grandmother would be the most proudest person to hear that I received this award. She passed away recently, but she's a woman activist. And I grew up in India with my grandparents for 17 years, and they're my role models. And she always fought for justice, social justice, especially for women and young adults. And children. And I have carried some of those principles with me. I don't think I have fought anywhere close to her in terms of justice, but I try to bring it into my academic environment or community that I am in research 
or otherwise in see what I can do to uplift people around me who are in need. And so recognizing that, and I think some of the letters that I have read that were provided for the nomination were really heartwarming and touching and made me feel very honored. Yeah, absolutely. You've accomplished so much. And as we wrap up this episode, I'd love to ask you a more personal question. You may have alluded to it already, but I'd love for you to share what contribution that you've made specifically to ETSU that you really cherish the most. I don't know if I've actually done so much as much as you're, you've listed in the awards. I don't feel like I have accomplished a lot. I mean, I have so many role models in my life, my research mentors and all who are still working very hard and still contributing on a day-to-day basis. So I, I'm like really still haven't reached my peak yet. So let me say that. But at ETSU, I think one of the main reasons I took a job at ETSU 10 years ago was because of its community, the environment that ETSU specifically serves, first-time college goers and underserved population. So through teaching, through my classroom teaching, I teach biochemistry here as well as plant biology courses. And the students that I have interacted with Every time I hear so many stories of their struggles and the students that I have directly mentored as undergrad researchers or graduate students who are, several of them are international students, but also come from very underprivileged populations, students from Africa, Nepal, Bangladesh, India, and US of course. But all these students, I was able to contribute something for their progress, whether it's in research or classroom or making career decisions. Even if they are not directly my students, my doors were always open to the students and several of them have taken advantage of that often to, to talk to me about their general troubles. And I would be many times a counselor more than a, a faculty mm-hmm. member. And I, I respect that, that the students have come to me and valued my decisions and I was able to help somebody, I was able to support somebody. And I think those kind of experiences really are beyond what we call ourselves as a regular job, right? These are things that you do more as a human being, but those are the ones that make biggest difference in somebody else's life. And I think that is what I really see as my contribution, more than publications or, or the awards, being able to help another student, another person build their own career, like I did mine, and several of them helped me come to this stage. And I just want to be able to give that to others. Dr. Killaroo, thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Primary Sources. Our theme music was created by students of Martin Walters, a member of ETSU's Department of Music. If you like what you heard, please share this podcast with friends and colleagues. (laughs) 